Boy, oh boy, are the seasons a-changing. And I'm not just talking about the weather. These interest rates are really starting to take an effect on the overall temperature of the overall real estate market. How much so? Well, stick tuned to this video to find out. So the question is always the same. How do I get into real estate investing if I have no money? How do I find deals? How do I negotiate deals? How do I find contractors and manage rehabs? How do I get the money to even buy these houses, to hold these houses? How does a rental work? How do you manage a rental? How do you manage tenants? How do you borrow money? How do you borrow money with almost no interest? How are all these things done and how are they done the right way? Well, I am John Barbera, and this is an investor's journey where we share with you how to invest in real estate the right way and how to get into it with no money, how to do this with real tactics that are working today in the market that we're in right now with things that we are personally doing. So welcome to the show. I'm John Barr with an investor's journey, bringing you the best tips, tricks, and strategies to help you succeed in real estate the right way. In this channel, we go over everything that's working in our business and some of the things that aren't. So if you find this content useful, we would love it if you give us a like, a share, and consider subscribing to our channel. Without further ado, let's get right on to this quarter's market update. All right, first up, we got the building permits issued for the month of September. So for September, single family residential permits was 637. That was a 40.9% decrease year over year. Two to four units was a only five, and that is a 6.7% decrease year over year. Never really paid too much attention to the two to four units. I'm really looking to see if a new trend starts by following these, if a number start really spiking into the hundreds, 200 or thousand or something like that. Five plus units was up to 1,142, and that's a 168.7% increase year over year. Now, with the multifamily permits, that's one thing that I have really been noticing these last several months, or we've had several months over the past six months where we've had triple digit year over year appreciation or um, year over year increases in the number of permits pulled and several in the high double digits. So, now while single family residential permits have really dropped, the multifamilies have ex exploded. And if that doesn't give you an idea of where this kind of uh, renter nation thing you hear about people talking about is going, that's exactly where it's going, where people can't afford to live in homes, they got to live somewhere. And that's where I think the multifamily space is really going to have a lot of inventory coming on in the next one, two, three, four years. Now, the average sales price is up to 381319 and that is an 8.52% increase year over year. Median sales price is actually up to 327500 Last month, I think it was 10 and this month we're at 11.8% increase. So the overall price appreciation is still continuing. I don't expect to see that median sales price to start dropping for at least another couple months because this time the price pressures of the high interest rates are really had not enough time to really drive those prices down. All right, so let's take a look at the median sales price going back to June of 2010. Now, I like to go back to June of 2010 is that's really the kind of the bottom of the last real estate market. And you can kind of see the market has been pretty stable as far as its overall cycles, where it goes up in the winter or up in the summer, down the winter, up in the summer, down the winter. And that's what you're really seeing. There is the, uh, the cycles of real estate. And now you can see what the COVID effect really kind of had on the 2020, 2021 and the first half of 2022. And now you can start to see the market is starting to normalize where as the prices have really peaked, heading into the winter months, the median price has started to fall. What is that really going to do and how long is that going to last? Nobody really knows. But I've been saying this for a long time that the normal price cycles will eventually return. And that's why I like to bring these up to people that 
For us in our business, we love to load up on inventory about this time of year, November, December, January, February, because that's usually when median sales prices kind of fall to their lowest. And then they start taking off in March, April, May, June, July into the next cycle. So we love loading up on inventory this time because there's less buyers in the market and people still need to sell their homes. Now let's take a look at the year over year appreciation and what that's looked like going all the way back to June of 2011. So you can see that coming out of the recession, the last one, it boomed up and then it kind of stabled off anywhere from that three to 7% for multiple, multiple years. And you can kind of see that little dip where it's starting to trend down in 2019 when we had our last interest rate cycle increase right before the 2020 COVID pandemic. And then you can see what the price has done. It's no, uh, no trick to anybody of what these prices have really done. But why I like to put this in here is like, I'm tracking what the overall trend of appreciation is really doing. And right now you can see that the Federal Reserve is doing having some success in cooling off the real estate market by increasing mortgage rates from the threes up to the sevens. And I do continue to see that extend into this next year. Now, I don't know if it'll ever go negative, but we will definitely see See, and this is why I track this stuff as I want to see what the year over year appreciation is kind of doing over the long term. Now let's look at total number of sales, 3,167. Now that is a, a number that I want you guys to keep in mind for later on for some of the slides that I got. And that is a 13.3% decrease year over year. Average rental price is up to 1828. And that is a 6.7% increase year over year. Now, I hear a lot of people start talking about like, oh my God, I can't be rents are up. And you're actually happy about that because you have to look at it from the landlord's perspective. When we are getting hit with higher taxes, higher insurance, higher repair costs, higher turnovers, everything is costing us more money too, where some of that does have to be passed on to the tenant as well. Because if we as landlords cannot afford to keep our homes and the maintenance up and give us a nice, clean, safe home to live in, that stuff's going to really kind of deteriorate in the house and lead to worse conditions or selling or whatever it might be. And it's kind of really puts a lot of pressure on the landlord as well. So to see the market be able to bear higher rent costs is actually good for both the tenant and the landlord. So now let's take a look at the rents going back to January of 2014. And you'll see they follow a very, very similar cycle to the overall sales prices as far as it goes up in the summer, down in the winter, up in the summer and down in the winter. Now, this is something that I discovered. I know I do. We do this with our business. I know a lot of other people that started doing this as well is all of our leases. And no matter when we purchase it, when we have a turnover, when a property comes online, they always end in March, April, May, and sometimes June when you start getting enough inventory. And the reason for that is, is you look at the numbers that the prices do tend to peak and you tend to get higher interest, higher rental payments when you rent a house in those months. So I can have a turnover in March or April, take a month to get the thing cleaned up, ready to go back on the market. And I have the best chance to be able to increase the rents for that property as people are starting to move around the country and moving through the summers, looking for different areas when the kids and everybody's out of school. So employment for September. So I think this is the first time I've actually had the entire slide have the same months as far as the uh, data that I pull is because usually the government is lags behind by a month or two from everything else that I'm pulling. So employment was at 1.19 million and that is a 2.82% increase year over year. And we gained about 9,000 jobs from the previous month. Unemployment rate actually decreased down to 3.54 as a 0.3% decrease in the previous month. So it indicates that we are not getting the unemployment like the Federal Reserve has said they wanted to create in the market. So it's something that kind of says that we better hold on, that we are going to continue to see increased pressures on interest rates as the Fed tries to slow down the economy and slow down appreciation across the economy as a whole. 
So now let's take a look at the 20 year unemployment. So the reason I like to track this stuff is I want to know what the overall employment trends are doing over time. So this goes back to kind of coming out of the last internet bubble recession. You can kind of see it was a low, slow trend all the way down. And then it spiked back up over in the financial crisis of 2008 and a low, slow trend all the way down and then boomed all the way up during the 2020 pandemic. And then it shot back down. And now we've seen this slow dredge down back to the bottom. And I want to see what this overall is looking like, because if people don't have jobs, we're starting to have mass layoffs, you have to take that into account of what you think the overall health of the economy is, especially when it comes to real estate, because most people solve to the payment in order for them, and which means they get a mortgage. And in order to have a mortgage, you have to have stable W-2 income. So if people aren't in working and they're not employed, means they're not gonna be able to get mortgages, meaning they're needing to sell their houses potentially if they have a mortgage and they've been laid off, or the people that are looking to buy a house can't afford them because they don't have a job. So that is the reason I track this stuff. So make sure you tune in every month so you can see what the overall employment is doing. Oh, hey there. Sorry to interrupt the video real quick, but I just wanted to see if you've actually liked, subscribed, and potentially debated about sharing this with somebody that you might find this information useful for. If not, back to the show. All right, now let's take a look at the months of inventory. Right now we're sitting at 3.3 months of inventory, and that is a 0.27 month increase from the previous month. Now I'll give you an idea, October of 2019, right before the pandemic, we were sitting at 4.1. Let me talk to you for a second about months of inventory and why we track this and what we think is going on as far as our opinion. Well, yes, our inventory levels are still below what they were three years ago, right before the pandemic. The buyer sentiment has completely changed. We are not in the same style of market, even though if you just look at the numbers, it looks like we're in a better market than we were three years ago. And that is why you need to tune in for things and listen to people that are actually in the market doing it every single day and not just regurgitating information and not actually practicing what they preach. So we have seen inventory levels drastically increase over the last several months. And I expect to see this inventories continue to increase. But we like to compare what it was in 2019 to kind of give a retrospect of like, hey, is it that bad or is it not that bad? Because while it still shows that we should be in a strong seller's market being under that four and a half to five and a half months of inventory, depending who you listen to for that balanced market, we can tell you that the inventory levels are rising. And I do expect in the next three, four, five months to see those inventories drastically increase. That shows we are more into a buyer's market. We're actually listing houses right now and we're having problems selling inventory that we would have had no problem selling just, just a few short months ago. So that's something that you got, why you need to tune into our videos, our channel, consider subscribing because the style of information that we put out, because we're actively in this market doing it and trying to project what we need to do for the business moving forward. All right, let's move on. All right, let's take a look at the sales number by price range and what the inventory levels are for those price ranges. Now, why I like to track this stuff is I want to know where the bulk of the inventory is being sold and what the overall inventory is for that, because we do projects across the board. Right now, we're getting ready to list a couple half million dollar homes, and we have some that are listed in the low to mid twos as well. And the reason we track this stuff is, like I said, I want to know where the bulk of the inventory is being sold and where the inventory levels are for those. So if you just take a quick look at the $200,000 to $350,000 price point and look at how many houses sold. Now, remember when I told you to remember that sales volume number of that 31, whatever it was. So if you look at that price range of that 200 to 350, there's almost 1300 homes or over 1300 homes that are sold right there. So almost half the inventory sold in our entire MSA is in those three price or that price range of 200 to 350. 
So that's why for us, we love to do our renovations. We love to buy properties in that exact price range because you look at the inventory levels and when this market stabilizes, that's where the bulk of the buyers are trying to purchase. And when you have the inventory levels like that and shows that it is still a seller's market, that means the seller has a little bit more of advantage to sell their home than the person trying to buy that house. So that means we don't have to put as much money into the kitchens, the baths, the landscaping, all that stuff. While we do still do that, we don't go ultra high end trying to make ourselves extremely better than the competition because there's just not that much competition as far as the overall market goes. Now, as this market continues to normalize, we are going to watch these price ranges almost religiously to see where people are buying and what the inventory levels within those price ranges really are heading. All right, so let's take a look at the overall inventories and the zip codes. So before I get started with that slide, if you want the full list of zip codes between, because uh, there's like 60 some odd zip codes here, and I only give you the top 10 and the bottom 10. And if you are wanting a copy of this presentation and all the zip codes in between, and also be notified when this market report goes up every single month, you need to go ahead and text our text community to 210-794-9898 and just text the word market. Again, that is 210-794-9898. You can see it across the bottom, all the slides, and just text market to that number, and we'll get you set up for getting the subscriptions for our text community. All right, so the reason we track these is I want to know what the inventory levels are and what is the most desirable price points, zip codes, and what those inventory levels are. And the reason we do this is because we target for marketing. It's exactly what we do. We want to know where we get the best return for our dollars when we spend money as far as demand goes. So we don't just market to anywhere and everywhere just because we just want to. We do it by a data-driven approach. So a lot of our times, you can see these zip codes, a lot of them are on the kind of north side of the city. That's where we've kind of done most of our investing is because we do it from a data-driven approach. So we've always tried to pick up properties 7825025178249 because you look at the price points and you look at the inventory levels. So now I and why another reason we do this is I that's why I put this other column here to do October of 2020. So you can see what two years of ultra low inventory has done to a price point. Meaning if you would have bought a house in October of 2020 in 78249, you'd have paid about 300,000. If you sold it today, you wouldn't have sold that house for 300, almost 365,000. So if you just bought a house, done nothing to it, stuck a tenant in it and resold it two years later, you'd made $65,000 in price appreciation, plus all the cash flow and equity pay down from your tenant living in that home. So that is why I like to take, and we like to take with our business, a data driven approach of where the inventory levels are for zip codes that tells us where is the most buyer demand for properties because that means there's going to be most price appreciation pressures because there's not enough people selling their homes for the people that want to buy in that zip code. So now the opposite of that is the highest months of inventory by zip code. And it's not to say these are bad zip codes, but you can look at these numbers. We're sitting in the fives and sixes. And that is the equilibrium, they say, between a balanced market between buyer and seller, taking you back to Econ 101 back in high school or college when you ever took it. The equilibrium between buyer and seller is somewhere between four and a half and five and a half months of inventory, depending on who you talk to. That means that prices are going to be stable, that the, the buyer or seller, neither one has negotiating power against each other. And that means prices are probably going to stop appreciating as fast in these zip codes because there's a lot of competition. That means that if you list your house and you look around your area, you have a ton of competition. So now you as the investor have to put more money into your home and compete with other buyers in your area. 
And it's like I said, it's not to say these are bad zip codes because you look at the price points of these things and a lot of them can get pretty high. Well, actually this month they're actually fairly low uh, as far as inventory goes. And no, not a lot of these price points are zero, were zero in 2020. That just means that we did not get the data pulled for the zip code because nobody sold a house. So that's a reason you see a lot of inventory going on the market in these zip codes is people are dumping their properties, trying to get this last bit of appreciation and sell their homes. But with this high inventory means that you have to have the cream of the crop property because that buyer wants that zip code can go wherever they want and look at a ton of different houses. So that means you need to put a lot more money into your house on the higher ROI areas of your house. That means the kitchen, the master bathroom, the flooring, the staging, the photos, the landscaping. You got to do a lot of things to your home to make it look like the top of the line property because you now have to compete with those, which means if you're buying, trying to flip in these zip codes, you need to get a better price and get much, much, much lower, which is why when we buy a property or underwrite a property, we look at our inventory levels so we can see our competition level and understand what we need to do. So like I said, these aren't bad zip codes, but you just need to be much more careful and buy at steeper discounts because there's a chance that prices could go flat or even drop a little bit by the time you do your renovation and get it on the market. Well, there you have it, everybody. That is this month's market update. And like I said, we would love it if you would subscribe, like, and share this video. And if you want a copy of the slides and to get notifications every time we drop one of these videos, text MARKET to 210-794-9898. And we will see you guys next month.